The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I come to you today bearing good tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show, October 25th. We are in our final week of this 31 shows in 31 days extravaganza I decided somewhat foolishly to put on in the month of October. I already told you guys next year we're going to do 30 shows in 30 days leading up to opening night, but then old Danny boy is going to need a weekend or two to refresh Plus, I'm missing out on reverse chronological lightning round Monday, which would normally be what we're doing today, but we don't actually get to start that for two weeks because we're doing weekend shows. This last week, we did them. This coming week, we will do them. Welcome to the pod, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. I'm your host, Dan Vespers. You guys probably know that by now, although this is the time of year where new folks pop in. So welcome to the show, everybody. Hope you guys enjoy what's coming up here over the next 35 to 45 minutes or so. And we'll get everybody reset for a little fantasy action. Things on the docket for today, so you guys know what's coming up in a general order of operations. We'll go through some breaking news, whatever that may be. Sometimes it's uh, like bending news. It's not quite breaking. It's not super interesting. That sort of is the case today. We'll also recap Sunday's action, give you some homework for the games tonight. Relatively large Monday card, actually. And then I want to demo a new segment today, because... The Sunday games I didn't think have that many crazy storylines, so I want to try to move through those a little faster than we did the first few days of the season and get you into some buy lows and sell highs. Oh, yes. Try to work that into the show. I don't know if it's... It's probably not going to be every Monday, but once we set it all into a pattern here, we'll, we'll pick a day of the week and try to come up with a few of those. It'll be harder as the season goes along because then you start to get a, a fuller body of work for guys, but I think we can pull it off right now, especially with it's overreaction season after all. First few days of the year, that's overreaction season. So let's start with the news of the day. What the hell's been going on in the NBA? We've got some injury reports already for this Monday. Some of them trickled in yesterday, but some confirmation on that as well. Chumo Okiki still out for the Orlando Magic. I don't know that he needs to be stashed in standard leagues. I think he probably does hit standard league value, but there's just too many interesting things happening over this first week. Like, what if you were sitting on one of these guys and passed up picking up Eric Bledsoe right now? Feels insane, but that's where we are. Jeremy Grant, questionable for the Pistons. Literally have no idea how they'll score any points if he's not on the floor. Vooch, ill. He's under the weather with non-COVID illness. It's nice that they can just say illness and we know it's not COVID. Al Horford, Tweak to groin. They're calling it a left adductor strain. He's questionable, which makes me think, if it was a full strain, uh, I don't think that he'd be questionable. I think he'd be out or doubtful. So probably more of a soreness than anything else, but they may go easy on him. With as good as Al looked, they they sort of can't afford it. And then Jalen Brown, he's questionable as well, dealing with a knee thing. That's been going on with him for a while, so we, we kind of had to know after the Celtics played that double overtime first game of the year. Body's just not ready for that. You're seeing some after effects of it. P.J. Washington, questionable, although he's been questionable while he's been playing. Terry Rozier is out, and 
Nerland's Noel is questionable, so he's getting closer to coming back for the Knicks. And that's your bending news of the day. Nothing huge there, but a few things that you can sort of file into your fantasy bucket. Let's talk about the Sunday slate. Just six games, so we'll move through it at a pretty good clip. I want to make sure we have time for buy low, sell high. And one of the things about buy low, sell high that I'll go into a little bit later on is that I want to try to give you guys pairs. And it's not going to be perfect because matched pairs just... It, it just isn't a thing. But I want to try to give you the opportunity. That I, I think one of the things, and I'm, I'm trying to find the right way to do this without anybody interpreting it as Dan's calling out names. I think that as an industry, as a fantasy analyst industry, we've historically done a bad job of pairing the buy lows and the sell highs. What I mean by that is, it's very easy for an analyst to say, this guy's a buy low, but we don't often tell you who you might be able to give up to get him. So like, for example, later in today's show, I'll probably say to you guys, hey, James Harden is a buy low, which is a weird thing to have to say out loud, but it is so far. In the old days, I could probably get away with just saying that and moving on to the next thing. But I want to go a step further. I want us to be clearing some new borders here on Fantasy NBA Today. And just like the way I do things, I want people to look at and go, oh yeah, that's that's uh, that's a click further on the helpful scale. So we're going to try to find the guys you can throw out there. And the thing about this sort of historical stuff is when you say, oh, buy low on James Harden, someone might say, hey, Miles Bridges is number three right now. Can I offer Miles Bridges? Like, well, no. There has to be a perceived element to this can i give up harrison barnes no that's not gonna do it if you want to buy low on a first rounder like a james harden and he's not the only one by the way we have a few first rounders that i'm going to talk about today as our sort of big buy low segment on this monday uh, the 25th of october show you need to be giving up someone who's who was i would argue drafted inside the top 30 and probably earlier than that if it's Harden. If it's a late first-round pick, you might be able to find someone in that 30 range that's just going buck wild. But for Harden, a guy that people took third, fourth, whatever, pretty early, especially after the Kyrie news, it's going to take a haul. We'll get into that in a little bit. First things first, box scores from Sunday. Some recaps. Charlotte, talking about Miles Bridges just a second ago, he's off to an unbelievable start right now. He's obviously a sell-high, but he's actually not really part of our sell-high segment to this point because I want it to be about pairing by lows. So just enjoy it. And if you wanted to try to sell on bridges, you could probably get top 50 in return right now. That's my guess based on what people have seen so far. Don't worry about LaMelo. He was still good in this ballgame, but uh, second unit for Charlotte was just so damn good early in the fourth quarter. They opened up a double-digit lead that they just ran it out. Ish Smith played 21 mid- minutes as a result. That's not going to happen very often, but he was playing well, and they just have a lot of weapons on that team. P.J. Washington now questionable, which means you probably have a night you could stream Mason Plumlee and not worry too much about who might come for some of those other center minutes. From a P.J. standpoint, he's just been bad anyway. I do wonder if this injury was impacting him, it's his knee, coming into some of these ball games, or if it sort of happened in them. But either way, he's probably going to be the first seventh round type pick 
that I'm going to recommend a drop on. He's real close to it. Has some upside with the threes, steals, and blocks. Rebounds a little bit. Percentage is not good. So he's going to need to be out there. He's got to be doing stuff. And he's just, he's not. I don't I don't see a path for him to big minutes unless Miles Bridges slows down a whole bunch. But for now, you can let it ride just a little bit longer. And again, Mason Plumlee opportunity perhaps for a short-term stream here without anybody to back him up. Brooklyn side, Kevin Durant came to play. Not sure anybody else really did. Harden's off to a very poor shooting start. We'll talk about the free throw thing in our buy low segment. Don't worry. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, 9-8 with a steal and a couple of blocks. That was actually a pretty good fantasy game in only 22 minutes. We'll keep one eye on him. Nicholas Claxton, not going to get it done. No Blake Griffin in this one. So Aldridge did have kind of his best path. And with Brooklyn on a back-to-back, sounds like he's resting the second half of it, which basically means he's not usable in head-to-head leagues. Orlando 110, New York 104. The home-and-home goes to Team Cole Anthony. Went for 29-16-8. Whopper of a ball game. Good percentages, hit five threes. But we know the story on Cole Anthony. His fantasy game isn't about to change overnight. We saw it last year. He can put up some pretty eye-popping counting stats, but the steals are not usually all that high. The threes are not usually all that high unless they're really like he took, you know, he's taking seven to nine a game this year. So it does seem like there's been kind of a concerted effort to move in that direction. Rebounds, the 16 rebounds. Come on. I think we know better. He's not going to get 16 rebounds. He averaged four and a half last year in 27 minutes. So if that goes up a little bit, great. But again, low blocks, low steals, high turnovers, very low field goal percent. That's going to cream you. I don't know how he sustains nine cat value And in three games with one massive game, he's right around number 80. So you can probably leave that one alone. If you want to roll with it, you can do it generally without my blessing. That's probably as far as that needs to go. We told you Jalen Suggs was going to be a very bumpy road. It continues to be. Mo Bamba missed his free throws and his shots. Had a rare quiet game, but did still double-double. And he's still kind of the guy there. As long as he and Wendell Carter Jr. are starting side-by-side, you can probably start Wendell Carter Jr. as well. As I've said before, once something happens, whether it's Jonathan Isaac or Chumo Kiki or a combination thereof, that pushes those two guys into the same minute bucket, that's when Wendell Carter Jr. really takes a massive hit. I know, like, I, It'll be a timeshare in some capacity. Terrence Ross got to play a little bit. Don't care. And then with Wagner, who I just mentioned in passing... He's really an Okiki placeholder for right now, so not super into that one as well. Julius Randle, big-time sell-high candidate right now, just having a ridiculous start to the year. Derrick Rose played extremely well in this game, got 29 minutes, but his minutes are going to bounce around. And it seems, unfortunately, like right now, Rose and Walker, Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker, are in kind of a timeshare at the point guard spot. That's a big, annoying disappointment. You can hang on to Kemba a little bit longer. I'm thinking he may be the first eighth rounder that I recommend to drop on based on the fact that he just hasn't been at all aggressive. I do wonder if he's letting things settle a little bit, but this particular role, getting the starting job and then, you know, if you're good, you get to play it. And if you're not, Derrick Rose is going to take 28 of your minutes. That augurs poorly. And then Mitchell Robinson got himself three blocks before fouling out in 33 minutes. I actually like when he fouls out because it means he's going for blocked shots. <laughs> That's the value for Mitch. I don't 
we don't want him playing great position defense. We want him out there fly swatting crap. And so far, he's been pretty good. He's ranked outside the top 100, but mostly because he's one for three at the foul line per game so far. The other stuff is more or less where we need it. He'll be fine. I think Mitch Robb turns into a pretty good value this year, even with Noel on his way back. Boston beat Houston 107-97. Al Horford was magical in this game. Tatum had himself a nice little bounce back. Marcus Smart was decent, cross-the-board type of stuff. And then it seems like, well, there's a couple things to talk about here on the Boston side. It seems like when one of the key guys is going to miss time, Dennis Schroeder's the dude who gets to step up, so he gets into the fantasy discussion. And then the Time Lord, he's in a weird spot right now because Al Horford is the better player. Nobody wants to hear that. Fantasy community, really as a whole, definitely doesn't want to hear that because we all had these delusions of Time Lord playing 30 minutes a ballgame that I tried to smash for you guys during the preseason. Talked about him being a bit of a hype train guy. He was getting drafted in the 60s, then it was the 50s, then it was the 40s, and that was too early. I will say this. He'll be fine. Time Lord still played 28 minutes in this ballgame. He just couldn't get anything going. And look, as a whole, Boston was just better in this game with Horford at center when he was the big man. He could space the floor. That helped the offense. They're actually both decent passers. I would argue Horford is the better of the two, just from an overall basketball standpoint. Horford's probably not going to outblock the Time Lord most ball games, but he is going to play smarter defense, and the Celtics need that. To beat, apparently, I mean, they had to beat kind of a bad team here by 10 on the road, but they needed it. You're not dropping Robert Williams. If anything, you're buying on him, but he's not part of our buy low segment, so hold on to that one. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do something with that on social media. Regardless, for Horford, now a strained adductor, if he has to miss a ball game, then everybody, everything will be fine for old time, Lord. Jalen Green got hot on the Houston side, and this will happen from time to time, but he's going to be a bumpy one, as we've talked about before. Alprin Shengun, 7-4-4, three steals a block. It's going to be a bumpy one. He has a pretty interesting fantasy game. There's no doubt about that on the Rook. And, you know, four defensive stats here. It does seem like he's going to be able to get them. But I don't think his minutes are going to trend up all that soon. This is going to be kind of a slow growth thing over the course of the year. He's he's an, a stash with terrific upside if you can squat on it. Jay Sean Tate's had a couple good ones in a row. I think we can safely call him part of the plan in Houston. And then Kevin Porter Jr., who, I mean, I don't know how many times I had to say it on this pod. You know what drives me absolutely crazy? And I'm sorry if you feel called out by this. Those of you that ask me either in our premium Discord or on Twitter, what do I do about Kevin Porter Jr.? It makes me it makes me want to cry, really, because I spent I spent like 3 months telling you guys don't draft him in a category league. Don't do it. I don't care how far he falls, don't do it. Cuz we saw him have that 50-point game last year and everybody was like, "Yes, here it comes." But here's the problem. We're in a part of the season now where the other teams are trying, meaning they're going to game plan for him. They're going to game plan for Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood. I'd say Jalen Green, but I don't think they even have a game plan for him yet because he's so damn new to the league. Teams want to beat you right now, Houston. You're not going to just be able to screw around 
like we saw at the end of last year when kind of nobody cared really what they were doing. Ah, you know, we'll just outscore them. They're not very good. This is a, we need to get ourselves in position. And I mean, that's kind of what you saw here in this Boston game. Boston was like, look, we cannot screw around. We've lost our first couple. We need to get one in the right column. So let's play this right. So they put Marcus Smart on Kevin Porter Jr. And not only was it ugly, but it was a sink your team ugly kind of game. Missed two free throws, had eight turnovers, went five for 12 from the, four for 12? Five for 12 from the field. No defensive stats. That's the fear. If you're in a points league, disregard all the stuff I just said. He'll be fine in a points league. He does enough to be okay. Not going to be a league winner, but he's not going to kill you the way he will in particularly nine-category leagues because turnovers are a factor here. I mean, we're talking about stratospheric turnover numbers so far that will probably trend in the right direction, but he's got 19 in three games. Yowza. And he's number 262. It's going to be a ride, man. I tried to tell you guys, don't do it. It's not going to be worth it. He is hurting your fantasy team basically in like five categories. And if you had rebounds, you could possibly even call it six. It won't get it done. He's league average in scoring so far. I tried, man. Philadelphia beat OKC 115-103. Seth Curry's been very good with no Ben Simmons. It actually seems like maybe he's the biggest beneficiary, even more than Tyrese Maxey, who was fine in this ballgame and continues to be streamable. As is Thibault, by the way, whose minutes aren't high enough for me to get super excited about, especially with Danny Green playing better in this one. But Thibault got himself his four defensive stats again. And that's the usefulness there. Specialist appeal as they say. Josh Giddy had a good one, finally. 19-8-7. I say finally. We're only a week into the season with four steals. Really nice, well-rounded game. Uh, you'll see some bad ones. You'll see a couple good ones. That's the way it is for a young point or shooting guard. And really, it, you know, it comes down to whether Sh- Shea Gilgis-Alexander is having a decent ball game because when he gets going, that creates a little bit of space for others. And you're seeing here, Giddy is going to be... I don't know if the... I don't know if... It's yet, but he's going to be the other fantasy player on this team at some point. Problem is, I don't really have the luxury in most of my leagues of squatting on people. You could do it in a nine-cat roto league, uh, but you would have had to draft Giddy in like your eighth or ninth round pick, which means that the guys you take after that, you'd need to be willing to start while you kind of wait on the young guy. To me, that's a strategic disadvantage, and so I'd rather just... Wait till guys get dropped. People get frustrated. He probably won't, but he probably will actually in some leagues if he has four or five really bad ones in a row or other guys similar to that, if it's not him specifically, will get dropped. And if I'm off to a pretty good start, that now affords me the luxury to pick these guys up and sit on them a little bit. Warriors off to a good start this year. I was wondering about that under. That Warriors under was the one I bet, and I was like, I think I'm being tricked here because this number seems crazy high. Uh, But they've been playing good defense so far, more than anything else. Draymond Green kind of slowly rounding into shape. He only missed one of his two free throws in this ballgame. Andrew Wiggins had a quieter one. Jordan Poole woke back up, and guess who never goes to sleep? Steph. He's good, turns out. Turns out Steph Curry's good. No real surprises in this ballgame. Nice game from Davian Mitchell over on the Sacramento side, Uh, but he's not going to get 16 shots most games, so you can probably just chalk it up to... 
This is a dude who's way better in reality than in fantasy in the early going here. Like, there's a, a path for him somewhere, probably not this year, somewhere down the line to get minutes and shots, but they're relying on him to try to put clamps on people. Darren Fox told you guys he was going to be overdrafted too. I honestly believe that I'm better at telling you who not to draft in fantasy. It's sort of the old man mythology. No, it's the it's the old man method. OMM, the old man method. Don't draft these shiny things because they're, in reality, they're not that shiny. It's just like a weird, it's a weird oil. It's reflecting the light funny. Avoid the shiny toys. Get something boring. John Morant off to a good start this year. Trying to stick it in my face. His stuff will level out. He's not going to shoot this well from the field or the free throw line as the season goes on. You guys can argue with me on this. Like, it, it, he's number 10 right now. Maybe he doesn't fall all the way back to 120 or 130 or whatever the hell. I mean, he was outside the top 200 for stretches last year. But you cannot, in good conscience, and this is a mental thing, look at what he's doing right now and say it's sustainable. He's shooting 58% on high volume. Averaging 35, 4, and 8 with 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks, and almost three three-pointers a game. Compare some of that to what he did last year. And listen, I'm totally on board with the notion that guys can make improvements. But, but, John Morant shot 48% his rookie year, 45 last year when he added a bunch more three-pointers, 49 in his very hot playoff run. He does seem to step it up in the bigger moments. Here's the thing. It's a long season. You can't go playoff energy level the whole year or you will crap out. Also of note, dude averages 0.9 steals and 0.3 blocks on his career so far, and he's up at two combined right now. So that's basically doubled. Rebounds assists are staying pretty much consistent. His free throw number's up. That could stick. I could believe that. But 44% from downtown, 58 overall, those numbers are going to come back to earth, and you're going to see... I think the target for him should be between 50 and 100 this year. But remember what we just said right now. Keep this in the back of your mind because it's going to be relevant when we do our segment here in a little bit. Otherwise, Memphis is to start the starters team right now. I don't think slow-mo is going to have a role on this team this year. Instead, right now, it's Morant, Bain, Adams, JJJ, and Anthony Melton. And they've looked pretty good. Tough loss here in L.A. LeBron played okay. AD played okay. Carmelo got real hot. There's something weirdly satisfying about Carmelo Anthony in a Lakers jersey. I don't know what it is. And then Russ had nine turnovers, but he did finally make some passes, kind of got himself into the offense a little bit. This Lakers team is badly missing true floor spacing. I know they had 16 threes, but a lot of that was Melo getting lava hot yesterday. Malik Monk hit a couple. Bazemore hit two. But they're missing Kendrick Nunn, who's going to be one of their more important floor spacers when he gets back. They're missing Trevor Ariza, Taylor Hort- uh, Talon Horton Tucker, not that much of a floor spacer, but someone they, I think, were counting on to make a, a leap this year. Uh, as they get some of those shooters back, things are going to fall into a little bit better place. One of the things that everybody's noting about this Lakers team is that they keep running big lineups and they keep paying for it. The question is how long? Because they're rolling DeAndre Jordan at center, and I, DeAndre Jordan is a more lumbery version of Dwight Howard. He's like Dwight Howard, but doesn't foul as much and also cannot, cannot 
venture even a foot outside the paint. At least Dwight has like a prayer out there. So I don't really know what they're doing with rotations. I think the Lakers are just sort of feeling it out right now. And as I said, after their first game, six weeks. Talk to me in six weeks. Well, now like five and a half. Folks, before we dive into our homework for tonight, and then buy low, sell high is going to be the last segment of the show, I do want to ask you guys again, if you're enjoying the pod, especially you new folks, please drop a five-star review on it. Open the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device, whatever, it's a phone, iPad, whatever. Search for Fantasy NBA Today and click on the big show name, not an episode name. It's really finicky and weird. And then scroll down to the bottom. That's where you can drop a five-star. If you are on iTunes, it's a little bit easier Just go to the podcast tab, search for Fantasy NBA Today, click on the show title, and then there's a little rate and review button. So much simpler to do on the computer for whatever reason. Even though everybody's using mobile these days, make it freaking easier, iTunes. I want to get these five-star reviews, so thank you in advance for those of you that have already are about to do it. Thank you not in advance for those that are about, that about, about to do it. I've forgotten what the hell I said. Regardless, big fat thank you. Uh, Without you guys, we could not continue to grow the way that we are. And also... Go check out Manscaped.com. Use promo code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order from our buddies at Manscaped.com. Get the toner, deodorant, powders, lotions, oils, in addition to boxers, t-shirts, and, of course, actual grooming products, which are so good. They make a good product. That is what, like, they want us to talk about your junk. That's their whole shtick. I don't usually go that way on the pod. I have this weird, old-timey baseball play-by-play still stuck inside of me, so I go above board with this crap. But the point is, they make a damn good product. They have sent me pretty much every iteration that they've made since we started partnering with them, and I have not yet found a product they make that I haven't liked. Other than uh, cologne. I don't wear cologne. I don't wear a scent. So, but that's not a personal thing, or that's not personal with them. That's just me. I'm not going to wear a cologne. But thank you for sending it to me. I used, I regifted it. <laughs> but you guys can get it if you wear a scent. They've got an ear and nose hair trimmer. They've got the luxury nail kit, which I really needed during baseball playoffs. Too late. Picked them all off myself. Uh, but again, you can go check out all that stuff. Manscaped.com promo code is hoopball20 for 20% off and free shipping on your order. And again, please do rate and review the pod. Little homework for tonight. We got a lot of stuff going on on this Monday evening. A hefty, hefty, hefty Monday card with nine ball games. Got some overload going on on my fantasy teams. I got to sort that out. Milwaukee, Indiana, not a whole lot to worry about there. You got the Connaughton, Grayson Allen stream and the Chris Duarte stream on the other side. That's about it. Boston, you're monitoring health stuff for Jalen Brown and Al Horford. Charlotte, I guess Mason Plumley, if P.J. Washington sits out, is kind of a, a element of interest, and you could potentially stream Kelly Oubre Jr. Detroit, if they're missing Jeremy Grant, this this could just get so ugly. Sadiq Bey might have to take 30 shots, which I guess is cool if you've got him. Atlanta, we're still kind of monitoring the wing minutes. That's about it there. Not much in those first six teams. Uh, Washington-Brooklyn is a little bit interesting, if only because we are kind of keeping an eye on the the James Harden stuff. But again, sit tight. I've got a little James Harden segment coming up here in a minute. Washington, Bradley Beal is questionable for this game. Hoping we can get him back. I have a lot of Bradley Beals on my fantasy teams because I kept ending up with picks on the turn. 
or 11 and uh, 14 combo. I've got Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George, some combination of those three guys on almost every single fantasy team this year. So I desperately need them all to stay healthy, and um, Brad hasn't so far. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on the big man stuff for Washington. There, there I think is there's some disgust with Daniel Gafford's minutes so far, but I, I want to remind everybody the target for him was 22 minutes per game. This was a, look, this guy came over to Washington after the deadline last year and got about 18 minutes per game and was fantasy relevant in 18 minutes per game. 10 points, 5.6 rebounds, almost two blocks, a little under a steal, 68% shooting. He hasn't been nearly as bad as everybody wants to make out so far. The difference at this point for Gafford is that he's not getting many shots. His minutes are up, but his field goal attempts are down. And some of that is because he's now playing with legitimate starting level fantasy or reality basketball players. So he's not just going to get all the garbage heap stuff that he got running with second units and actual garbage time. But he's, he's averaging three blocks a game. He's averaging a steal a night. He's made seven out of eight shots so far this year, which I know, low volume, but it's still relevant. And then the rebounds are down a little bit, which I also think kind of levels off a little. So even if he only gets to seven, 20 minutes a game this year, you're still looking at a top 80 kind of guy in that Nerlens Noel mold until Thomas Bryant comes back. And that was always one of the things hanging over Gafford. If Bryant doesn't come back, Gafford ends up working out really nicely on a longer-term basis. But one of the reasons we loved him so much was because he was getting drafted at 125, 130, and he had this wide-open road at the beginning of the year where there's still infinite upside. If he has a really good ball game and gets an extra five, six, seven minutes on the court, I mean, he can move from top 80 to top 60 overnight in a smaller sample size. But there was always that kind of cloud hanging over what happens in January? So when Yahoo adjusted him up to 90 or whatever it was at the end, and he was going at 85, I thought, uh, we're getting close to pricing him out, especially in head-to-head, where you need guys that are going to be rock solid at the end of the year. I still think even as a backup, he finds his way to 18 minutes a game. I just I don't know that they trust him to go more than 20 or 22 minutes per ball game. I, I think that's just the way that they're going to run this thing. I don't know why I said there was something to talk about on the Brooklyn side. There isn't really. Marcus Aldridge sitting this one out. I think we'll get Blake Griffin back in. Chicago, nothing really of note there. If you want to pay attention to Patrick Williams, you can. I'm kind of out on him. I don't have the patience for whatever's going on with the the guy, sort of the odd man out offensively. He's got game, but I just don't know where you can use it. Toronto is definitely worth paying attention to. They might just be on our watch list until things totally settle there. Chris Boucher got called out by Nick Nurse, said, you suck right now, basically. Want to see a bounce-back game here? This would be a great opportunity for it, especially if Vooch is missing on the other side, and Toronto might not need to run Precious Achua for 30 minutes a ballgame. We need Boucher to get up around 20. Anything more than that is gravy. I think he can do it. I'm not dropping him because, as opposed to sort of the BJ, the P.J. Washington thing, I didn't think P.J. had upside beyond top 75. That, to me, felt like a very good scenario for him. With Boucher, we saw it last year. If he played 24 minutes a game, he's top 40. I don't know that he's getting to 24. 
Toronto has a lot of guys in the front court, and I continue to be kind of annoyed with myself that I sort of got talked into Boucher over the whole preseason run. You talk too many to too many analysts, and then the brain starts to get a little twisted around. You can't remember where you started on certain things. But I do think he'll be okay. You're not dropping him simply because there is too much upside there. There's just no one on the waiver wire that has top 40 potential anymore. It's not there. Boucher is that. Otherwise, Scotty Barnes looks good. OG played better. Freddie Van Fleet is cold as ice, but he'll be fine. Gary Trent leans points league, that sort of stuff. But I do think we need to watch Toronto. Put him on your homework list. Orlando, I just can't wrap my head around. They've got a bunch of points league guards and then Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. And nobody's back yet for them. So meh. Miami, equally meh. I don't know that anybody besides the big names on that team is actually going to clear the threshold. Although Tyler, Tyler Hero right now is someone you could probably sell high on, and I would aim for top 50 again. And when I say aim for top 50, that doesn't mean somebody who's top 50 right now. That means somebody who is reliably top 50, because someone else might look at Hero and think, ooh boy, here comes a top 25 campaign when we all know he basically would need to average 30 points to get there. Pelicans stink, so I wouldn't worry too much about this ballgame. I think we have a pretty good idea on both of these teams, although I will say Nas Reed has caught my attention on Minnesota. He was someone I was sort of like side-eyeing before the season. Hey, what if this guy, what if they squeeze an extra two or three minutes at power forward and they play him alongside Cat for four minutes a game? He's really that close to being hyper-fantasy relevant. Unfortunately, I don't know that that's going to happen. Cleveland, they're fun right now. Darius Garland apparently made it through shoot-around, so if he comes back, then we might finally get a little more data on the Garland, Ricky Rubio, Colin Sexton backcourt stuff. And then everything else is pretty easy. Same story with Denver. Portland, Norman Powell, the latest report is that uh, his knee is still sore, but steadily improving, which makes me feel like we, frankly, kind of dodged a bullet on him. If you've got him, hang on. He was really, he was cooking before he had to leave that last ball game. It seemed like he tweaked an ankle, but I guess the ankle roll was actually kind of reverberated up to the knee. And then Larry Nance Jr. is the other guy to watch on Portland. Put this game, by the way, put this game on your homework list. Portland Clippers, we're still sorting out the Clippers stuff with Batum coming back. He chewed up Terrence Mann's minutes in that last ball game. I want to know if that's actually a consistent thing or if it's going to be like a, okay, well, whoever's not hot, that's where Batum's minutes come from kind of thing. And then what if Batum actually gets up to 30 minutes a ball game? He could, he could really sneak in here and be kind of that fourth clipper behind Paul George, Reggie Jackson, and Herrick Bledsoe, who was awesome. We did title a podcast, Bledsoe's Bash, don't forget. So put that ball game on your radar as well. And now, 34 minutes into the show, I bring you a recruiting pitch before buy low, sell high. Guys, if you want to be a part of what we're doing here at HoopBall, we are recruiting for our sales division. You can earn some coin if you're good on the phones. Fantasy writing, if you think you got what it takes. It ain't easy, man. It ain't easy. DFS team, I suck at it. Maybe some of you guys dabble in it and are and or are good at it. Or if you want to cover a team, we got a few new team pods that are actually set to come out here in the next I would think two to four weeks. Very excited about that. Um, But at a very quick glance, I think that still leaves us something like 13 or 14 teams uncovered right now. Holler at me. 
Holler at me if you want to cover a team on a podcast. Think you can get excited about a team every night? I hope so. What the hell we're doing here if you can't? At Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. And now, I bring you the first edition of the Buy Low, Sell High pairings on Fantasy NBA Today. Right now, you have, of the first rounders, which according to Yahoo was basically Jokic through Paul George, you have one, two, three, four, five of them sitting outside the fifth round after the first week of basketball. Those guys are, not surprisingly, Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Why? Because Giannis is shooting a extraordinarily high volume, 70% at the free throw line. Why? Because Luka is shooting an extraordinarily high percentage, 41.5% from the field, with no defensive stats and crazy high turnovers. We knew all that stuff was coming. By the way, even though Luka's shooting 78% at the foul line so far. The ones that are a little bit more uh, out of nowhere, I would say, James Harden, Damian Lillard, and Jason Tatum. All three of these guys can be bought low. I hate the term buying and selling on this type of stuff. because You're treating real people like stocks, but there's really no other way to describe it. James Harden right now, 18 points per game, 7 boards, 8 assists, 2.3 combined defensive stats, almost 6 turnovers a game. That's KPJ territory. 89% foul shooting, 39% from the field. Right out of the shoot, you should hear one thing there basically two, really, that makes you go, hey, wait a minute. Thing number one, 5.7 turnovers a game. That ain't going to stick. I know he's a high turnover guy, but he'll probably settle back towards four. Thing number two, 39% shooting on the year. I don't know that we can expect him to hit his post-trade Brooklyn mark of 47% last season. Because look, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, he was open more. Without Kyrie, he'll be open a little bit less. But this is still a dude who, as the only option in Houston for many years, was still 44%. He's always been 44%. And if you level off a lot of that stuff and you fix his field goal percent, then his 18 points per game and three threes per game comes up to more like mid-20s and three and change three-pointers, etc., The reason I think a lot of people are freaking out about James Harden isn't actually low scoring, low field goal percent, or high turnovers so far. The reason people are freaking out is that he's only taking three three free throws per game, and everybody's talking about the impact of the NBA rule changes so far. Here's the thing. Remember when the NBA instituted a bunch of rule changes to try to eliminate traveling violations? Remember how many of those they called? The first four weeks of the season, it was a lot. Remember how many of those they called the next five months? It wasn't that many. James Harden needs a little bit of time. He's adjusting. The officials are adjusting. He's not going to be the James Harden who took 9, 10, 11 free throws a game in Houston. He's just not. Even last year in Brooklyn, he was at 7 per ball game, which is still very good, a pretty high number. But if you were thinking you were going to get 9 to 10 out of him, that was never going to happen, even without the rule changes. But if you think he's going to be stuck on 3, you're nuts. 
because he's the guy who dissects the rule book and figures out the way. I actually don't think he's a guy that was supposed to be the poster child for this. So I know he's going to get sort of caught up in it because he's the guy that everybody complains about getting too many free throws. But a lot of the stuff that is happening to him is still fouls. He's not the guy who, you know, stops in the lane and then jumps backwards. His stuff is like he gets into the lane and then he uses his right arm, his off arm, to draw the contact. He's shooting with his left, and his right arm is drawing contact from you. I don't know how he does the things he does. He operates all four of his limbs independent of one another, and that's a reason that he's still going to solve this. So no reason to panic there. Not that anybody was fully panicking, but people might be looking at him like, ah, I spent an early first, and he's not going to get there without the free throws. I don't think anybody's panicked on Damian Lillard, so we can probably jump right over him. Slow start mostly just because he hasn't had to score all that much yet. CJ's been hot. But Jason Tatum, I think you can probably file in the Harden bucket as someone people might be a little bit concerned about so far. He's been ice cold from the field, was a little better in his last ball game, but the free throws aren't dropping. The steals are not that high yet, and so there might be a little bit of fear there as he sits at number 89 after his team's first three ball games. I would argue that because Tatum was generally drafted in the 9-10 range and Harden was generally drafted in the 3-4 range, they are not the same thing when it comes to the buy-low-sell-high market. To get James Harden right now, you are going to have to get an overachiever drafted most likely inside the top 25. There's just no way anyone would part, even for someone blowing the roof off the building, if they don't have that type of first two-round name recognition. It's just not going to happen. The only two players, I believe, in that range where you might get a bite are Paul George and LaMelo Ball. You might be hesitant to part with either of those guys for James Harden. And on the Paul George front, I don't know that you actually end up winning the trade by all that much. I think Harden ultimately does move up into that top five, and I don't know that George stays inside the top five, but the gains there are not going to be quite as significant. But here's the thing. Paul George is shooting 56% so far. He's averaging 35 points, 10.5 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 three-pointers a game. These are unsustainably ridiculous numbers for him, even if he has a really good year. So go for it. Throw Paul George for James Harden out there. See what happens. And LaMelo Ball you might be hesitant to part with because of how good he's looked so far. And I don't blame you. But here's the thing. He hasn't missed a free throw so far this year. Admittedly, he's only taken three. But he's also shooting 51% from the field with three three-pointers per game. And only 1.7 turnovers per game. One of those numbers is going down. And the other one is going up. Lamella Ball is going to settle back and look, I'll admit, he might do better than the 40 range that I have him clocked at on a per-game basis. He really might make the free-throw shooting stride or the field goal percent stride. That was what we talked about. If you believed in those going up, you could make a case for him to get drafted near 25. If you don't, he should have gotten drafted near 40. But first-rounder means these percentages need to stick. And I don't believe they will. Also, 2.3 steals, even if he has a great steals year, 
it probably comes back down to like 1.9. So there's a lot to look at with LaMelo to say, okay, this isn't going to hold. I really think he may have the name power to get you a first rounder right now. That might be your guy. And I know you're giving up one of the most exciting players in the NBA. So if, if you want him on your team just to watch him, okay, fine, then don't do it. But if you want to turn your late second, early third into an early first, that's probably the one you could do it with. Meanwhile, on the Jason Tatum front, there's actually a few other names you might be able to get away with here, uh, trying to squeeze out a late first from something that came a little bit later. First of all, I don't think I would offer up Paul George for Jason Tatum. I think they're going to end far too close together for that to really matter. Moving a little farther down the board, you could throw out Zach Levine for Tatum because Levine's been much better on both percentages, but he's never going to catch Tatum on the defensive stats. And that's where those two guys separate one another. But we haven't really seen it. It hasn't been that obvious yet because of how good Levine's been with his percentages so far. You could probably get these guys for Julius Randle, who's been off to an absurd start with 3.6 combined defensive stats. Yeah, I know. You heard that right. He has four steals and seven blocks so far. I mean, that's, that's the type of thing you get out of him in like five, six games most of the time, and he's done it in three. 3.6, dudes. Last year, he averaged 1.2. Combined. So actually a third of that. 2.3 blocks per game. Seven blocks last year? Seven blocks last year took him a month and a half. And he's done it in three games. It's not holding people. Nor is the 88% free throw shooting holding. Rebounds, assists, that stuff might hold. But we know who these players are. And the problem is it's just very easy to get caught up in the hoopla here in the early going. Christian Woods looked really good so far, but I don't think he's been quite as powerful in name but Lonzo Ball with the triple doubles and averaging two steals and two blocks per game maybe I doubt it but I would consider throwing out Julius Randle or Zach Levine and see if you can get yourself Jason Tatum and there are your your buy low sell high pairs as your matched pairs for today's episode I hope that was somewhat useful for you and that's it Back at you Tuesday. We'll break down the nine-game Monday card. Do it all over again. See if I can come up with something fun to do on tomorrow's show as well. I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Enjoy your Monday. Later. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.